theyeshiva.net. Good morning, everybody. Bruchim avoyim, welcome. So today we'll begin a new Maimer, Be'ezer Hashem Yisbarach. In Eitz Yisrael, it's already Parsha Shlach. And uh, in Chutz Laretz, we're getting to Parsha Shlach. <laughs> so we're going to learn a Maimer on Parsha Shlach. Please turn to page 79. On top it says Shlach, the first column. In the Hebrew, it's Mem, column one. Mem, column one. This Mimer, it begins, Gar, with a whole Indian connected, as we'll see in a moment, to Parshas Nesachim, in Parshas Lach. And then, the second half goes into the story of the Miraglim. And the Mimer really represents a major paradox in life that the Miraglim, the spies, had a very difficult issue with. As he's going to explain. So the first half of the Maimer is going to explain one side of it. And it would seem, as usual, you're learning that, that's it. And then the second half of the Maimer is going to say, but, there's a big but. So the first half of the Maimer builds a certain uh, perspective on reality, and then the Maimer shifts sharply to a, another idea which would seem opposite and that's what the message will show how the Miraglim struggled with that. Now, just to understand the context of it, the structure of Parsha Shlach is a very difficult one to understand. The first half of the Parsha is a very clear structure. It's the story of the spies. Moshe Rabbeinu sends 12 spies to scout the land of Canaan. This is, of course, in order to help Jewish people feel better about going in. They're going to give a report. They're going to discuss what's going on strategy, conquest, strategy, etc. We know the result was a colossal failure. They come back and they dissuade the entire people from going into their homeland. They create national hysteria and panic. And uh, everyone, 10 besides the two spies, Yeshua and Kalev, all become part of this uh, major, uh, they become prophets of doom, predicting the worst of the worst of the Jewish people dare to enter into the land, which really steal, it takes away from everybody their desire, their stamina, their interest. They just want to remain in the desert, and that's like what happens. That's the story. The next morning, some Jews want to go up. Moshe says not to go. They're called the Mapilim. The next piece in Shlach, you know, if there's ever things that seem disjointed, it's this. This is chapter 14 of Bamidbar. That's Shlach, is Perikid, Gimel Perikid Dalit. Perik Tesvav, Hashem speaks to Moshe, and he starts telling him a new mitzvah. What's the mitzvah? That's going to be the beginning of this Maimon. When you come to your land, they're not coming any soon, because they're staying here 40 years. But that's the first mitzvah. When you come to your land, so what is he talk? What What's the mitzvah? The mitzvah is going to be different offerings that you bring different offerings, different carbonas that you bring. Okay, so Moshe says that uh, you'll bring offerings. So together with the offerings, there's something called, there's something called Nesachim. Mincha and Nesachim. What's that? Mincha and Nesachim. That you bring together with the animal, you bring what's called a Mincha, which is a meal offering, an offering from flour, from silas, 
and you bring an offering, libations, you pour wine, it's called nesachim. Nesachim means to pour. Nesachim. And the question is, if it's, if it's a sheep, if it's a ram, if it's an ox, the different types, these are accompaniments to the carbon. So it's, you didn't just bring an animal. You brought also a meal offering, a mincha, that was burnt on the Mizbeach. Part of it was burnt, or all of it, depends what type of mincha. And then the sachim, you poured wine on the Mizbeach. That's basically the, ne- the next chapter after this. Then comes a mitzvah of challah, then come other mitzvahs. So Rashi says, Rashi says, what's the connection? Rashi says, Bisalem After this whole catastrophe, Moshe said, don't worry, you're going to go in. There's even a mitzvah when you go in. But they could have discussed any mitzvah. There's a lot of mitzvahs when you go into Eretz Yisrael. He decides from everything. It's not like this is the parasha of Karbonus. Parasha of Karbonus is much, much earlier. It's a Vayikra. But right after the Miraglam, this is the discussion. Pouring the wine on the Mizbeach that came with certain Karbonus. So that when you read this, you could say, okay, it's just uh, one theme, another theme. But this means, and that's going to be the main idea behind this Maimer, that this structure is essential. Somehow you can't understand the first part of the story without the second part of the story, without the mitzvah that comes after. Almost the mitzvah that comes after is a beer, it's an explanation. Now that would seem like a very strange theory because it seems so disconnected. At best, it's good news, you're going to one day come into the land. But this maimer is going to show otherwise. So let's begin. The parashas nesachim. Right, obviously their mistake was they didn't want to go into the land. And in order to explain it, he speaks about this particular mitzvah, not even karbonus. When you bring a car, karbonus, he discusses elsewhere. But he starts saying, I'm going to discuss the wine that you bring together. Which it also seems very out of context. When you discuss karbonus, discuss all the details. No, the details we're not going to discuss. Parsha Shlach. He discusses what the carbon comes with. A mincha, nesach. The parsha's nesachim ksiv. Nesachim again means libations, pouring. Because they poured the kayin. For example, every morning there was a carbon oiler, just an example. Every morning there was a sheep. A morning and the afternoon, right? So that oiler wasn't just you brought a sheep. You slaughtered a sheep, took the blood, sprinkled the blood on the mizbeach, burnt the fat and the meat on the altar. That's the carbon itself. But there was another thing that happened called the carbon mincha nesachin. The kayin would go up to the mizbeach and pour wine every single morning. Nisach every morning. You're talking about 365 days a year. Yom Kippur too, every day. Pour wine on the Mizbeach, every single day. And other Karbanas too. I'm just giving the excerpt that came every single morning. That's why you always see Shabbos, whenever you do a Karban Musaf, you'll always speak about Vinniskehem, right? You remember this? Soilus Mincha Blulu Vashem and Oilus Shabbos B'Shabbatoy Al Oilus Atamid Vinniska. He didn't only bring two sheep on Shabbos as the Karban Musaf. It also came, a certain volume called two esroinim, two-tenths of an ephah of soilus, flour, and that went on the Mizbeach, it was burnt, flour that was burnt, flour from wheat that was burnt. And there was a wine libation that the Kayan would pour on the Mizbeach. Now how much? How much? That the Pasuk discusses how much each carbon, you have to know how much, how much flour, how much wine. It was all measured, it was all meticulous. Sukkahs, you would pour water also. But that was the sukkahs. That's called Nisach That was only sukkahs. That doesn't say clearly in Chumash. 
That's why the Tzedukim didn't accept that. But Nisach Hayayin, every day. So he says, It begins, When you come to the land of your Moshev, Moshev means the land of your residence, where you dwell. And you're going to bring, you're going to make a fire for Hashem. You're going to bring a carbon oil, which is a completely burnt offering. Or another offering, a zevach, another carbon. Zevach means a sacrifice. So you bring also flour, meal offerings, and wine. Lahavin lama shina akasav likreir tisral kam b'shem eretz mishvesechem yosim bechala teirish niknas eretz kna. Usually, the language of teir is kisavoyu el haaretz or kisavoyu el eretz kna. When you come into the land of kna. Here, there's a change. When you come into the land where you sit, where you dwell. He says, he's not the first one to ask. In Medrash Rabbah, close to the end of Shlach, this question is asked. In fact, the Medrash says that the Jews turned to the Rebbein Shlach and they said, why suddenly did you change your language here? From Eretz Knan to Eretz Meshvesech. Now you say, what's the difference? Eretz means the land of your dwelling. But the truth is, you're not coming to the land of your dwelling. You're coming to the land where you want to dwell. <laughs> but here he called, you're coming to the land of Knan. Knan was, of course, a grandson, came from Noyach's family. And he conquered the land, Knan. And that's why it's called Eretz Knan, the land of Knan. Knan is a person, one of the children of Cham, who was a child of Noyach. And already from his times, he conquered the land, conquered it from the children of shame. But here suddenly it's called Eretz Moshevay Seichen, the land where you live, where you sit, where you, where you dwell. So, what? It's already given. Yeah, as though it was given already. As though, as though you were living there already. It's like, like you're coming back home. You're coming, back to, you're coming to your future home. They were never there. They were in Egypt. <laughs> For hundreds of years they were there. They used to live there hundreds of years before. But in hundreds of years they were in exile. Okay, he brings a few other modern claims, but after the parentheses, around six lines later, the Gemara says, the second chapter of Gemara Brachas, it's Brachas Dafyu Dalad Amid Beis on the bottom. Zog the Gemara, quoting Rabbi Yechina. Kol ha-kayre kriya shma b'loi tefillin, kilu hikriv oila b'loi mincha zevach b'loi nesach. You have to see, you see how everything comes together here. The Gemara says an interesting statement. Somebody who reads Shema without tefillin, he reads Shema. doesn't put on tefillin. So it's as though you offered an oila without a mincha and a zevach without nesach. It's like you offered a carbon oila. Let's say the sheep in the morning is a carbon oila, but you didn't bring a mincha. No meal offering. Aftalachas. <laughs> the sheep, yeah. The flower, not. Sorry. Huh? And another thing is you brought a carbon, a zevach, another offering, below nesach. Without wine libations. What's the connection? What's, what's Rabbi Yechel trying to say? I mean, he, he can say it's not. In fact, right before that, the Gemara quotes Ula, who says, It's like you're testifying uh, falsely. But here, he says, It's a whole other Indian. Rashi says, and this is the pshat, Rashi says, it's not connected. I mean, Rashi says it's not connected. Rashi says, the Gemara is trying to say, in Krishna it says you should put on tefillin. 
In Krishna it says, Kshartam Loisal Yadecha, Vahoyulatoitafa is Bainanach. In Krishna it says, in the first section and the second section again. You remember, yeah? Right? When the Torah says you should bring a carbon oil, the Torah says you should bring a carbon mincha and you should bring the chsach. So just like if you bring the oil without the mincha, you didn't complete the mitzvah, it comes with more details. It's like if you want to do it right, do it right. And if you don't bring wine libations, you didn't complete the mitzvah. So you're saying the same thing. If you did Krishna without tefillin, even the Krishna is not complete. Because in Krishna it says you should put on tefillin. That's how Rashi says. According to this, the connection is not thematic. The connection is not in the theme of oil and Nesach. It's just, he found something where part of the mitzvah is missing. But the Alter Rebbe says, from the Lashon Gemara, it seems that there's a connection. But Tzadok Lav, in Inyan Dimyan Zesh, Shemadame Krishma La'ayla V'zevach, Utfilin L'Mincho Nesach. Krishma is somehow compared to an oil and a zevach. An oil is a complete burnt offering that's burned completely, and a zevach is another sacrifice, because there were many types of sacrifices, where the whole animal was burned, where part of it was burnt to fat, and the meat was eaten, etc. And, and tefillin is somehow compared to mincha, to the meal, to the flour, and to the wine. And that's why krishma without tefillin is like an oil or a zevach without mincha and a sach. Now, just to point out, because this is a natural question, and Rashi asks it, and Taisvus asks it, he could have said it short, he could have said, Kehilu hikriv, oila beloi mincho nesachem, because the carbon oila every morning had nesachem also. So Rashi says, and Taisvus says, you're right, he could have said it that way, but the reason he doesn't is because there's an expression, in Vayikra, in Parshas Emmer, oila o mincha zevach u nesachem dvar yoyim b'yoyimai, so he, he, he paraphrases, he employs the language of Chumash. Just that's why he does it. Even though he could have done it all in carbon oil, and it would, the message would have been clear. But here also, that itself is bediyuk. <laughs> that itself is meticulous. That somehow the tefillin is captured by mincha and esachim, and the and the krishna is captured by oila and uh, by oila and zevach. That's the the beginning, the, the introduction to the maim. The eretz meshvaisechim is the first question. That it doesn't say Eretz Kanat The second question is this Pshat and this Gemara about this comparison of Tefillin to Nesach. Okay, so now the topic changes quite dramatically. <laughs> Karag, as usual. And later, Ashton and Siv Dalad of the Maimer, towards the end of the Maimer, he starts off, We'll understand the whole structure of Parsha Shlachos. So this is not Stam. Uh, came in here as a uh, stop. This whole thing is a real explanation on the story of the spice. It's mem. Mem, column two. Mem, column two. The whole concept of carbonus offerings, Chazal say, in Yumid of Chafalaf, that a fire, at least in the first place, Hamikdash, there was a fire that descended from heaven. And it sat on the Mizbeach. Besides the fire that they created themselves, because it's a mitzvah, mitzvah l'avim in a hedit, it was a mitzvah for the Kayanim to bring lumber every day and to set it up. It's called the Marocha. We say in the morning, Abaya have a Masada Seder Marocha. Marocha Gdoila, right? Marocha Shnia. Marochas were 
layers of wood, like logs, lumber that they would bring and set up on the Mizbeach in order to create a fire, that to create a fire, there was always a fire burning. But there was also, in the first Bishamitosh, a heavenly fire that would eat up the oil, that would eat up the carbon oil, and the fat of shlam. Shlamim is another type of carbon where you didn't burn the whole animal, only certain fat of the animal. The meat was eaten, part by the owner, the person who brought it, or his family, or his friends. You could share it with others, people who are pure, and Kayanim would eat it. Yeah, it says that in Bayesushin it was Aryeh, it looked like a, it, it was crouched like a lion. The fire had the shape of a lion that was eating up the. Karbonis. The Zoya has an expression, It's like a lion eating up the, the animals, just like in the jungle, but here was a different concept. It's a very interesting idea because, in other words, what's happening in the physical jungle is, is, is a crude uh, physical manifestation of a higher reality. In other words, you have the ecosystem and the food chain and the food web on earth, but that evolves from the spiritual ecosystem. And the spiritual food chain and food web. So we once learned a whole mind on that in the Kutatari Parshas Tzav. It's a fascinating mind with Shimshin. If you remember one, the riddle of Shimshin. Uh, the riddle of Shimshin when the, when the Kimei Az Yatsa Mosek. Okay. But they were doing it drunk and so that it was a Kelev in Bayashin. Right. And then, then it started, yeah. But the main thing was in Bayashin, yeah. From, uh, the Mishkan, it says, Yom Hashmini, a fire came down. Afterwards, I don't remember what it says. It was, this right away begins to explain the concept of Krishna. Because if by the Karbanas there was a fire, a heavenly fire, that consumed the animal. So this is the connection of Krishna to an Eulah or to a Zavach. Why? The person is made up of four elements. There's the element of fire. There's the element of Ruach air, there's Mayim water, and there's Afar earth. That's like in parentheses, just a reference to another Maima where this is explained in Parshas Bamidba. These four correspond to the four categories on our planet called Doimim Tsemeachaimedaber. Doima means the inanimate. Doima means silent. It's quiet, like vayidoim aron. Those things that are quiet. <laughs> What's quiet? People are not quiet, right? <laughs> Rocks are quiet. If you go, <laughs> boulders are quiet. Minerals are quiet. Right? Pebbles are quiet. Mountains are quiet. Earth is quiet. Doima is the inanimate. That which seems lifeless. Tzemeach is vegetation. The whole botanic kingdom. The whole world of botany of vegetation of growing. Whatever it is, grass, shrub, uh, shrubs, uh, herbs, uh, herbs, vegetables, plants, uh, all plants. The whole world of tzemech. Of course, grain and, and, and fruits, etc. What was it corresponding? So, so then you have chai, the animal kingdom, all the living organisms that we call living organisms in terms of animals, and that called all the chai. That includes fish, it includes birds, it includes mammals, it includes rodents, reptiles, insects, all, all, all binachai, of course, mammals. And then you have, of course, medaber, the speaking the speaking living organism, the person, who's called the Madab, because of the power of speech. So he says, interesting, that this corresponds to these four. So within each person you have each four. The Daimim Tzemei is in the planet. But within each person, he says, you have the Eish Ruach And he says, it corresponds to the four letters of Hashem's name. 
Yud and He and Vav and He, that's the source of these four. The element of fire is connected to the Chai element. The element of fire, which is of course associated also with heat and intensity and blood and passion and life, that represents the Chai, the animal kingdom, and the Chai in the person as well. Of course, Ruach would represent, but it would seem that Ruach would represent the person. It says, so the Targum says, Ruach, which also is connected to the word Ruach, is ear, so it's going to do the word Ruach, spirit, or Ruchni is spirituality. And then you have the other two, which are Mayim and Ofer. Mayim and Ofer would seem to be connected to Tzemeach and Doimim. Tzemeach is connected to Mayim, water, and Doimim is Ofer. <laughs> Doimim is Ofer. Tzemeach, of course, also needs Ofer. <laughs> you need soil. But Tzemeach is dependent on Mayim, and it, it, it uses the offer, but it grows above the offer, it grows above, and that's connected to Mayim. So Daimim Tzemeach but it seems like, even though he doesn't say it clearly, Daimim is connected to the element of offer. Tzemeach is connected to earth. Tzemeach is connected to Mayim, water. Chai, he says clearly, is connected to Eish, fire. And Medaber is connected to Ruach. I'm just deducing it from the context. Right? You're not going to say Medaber is connected to offer and Tzemeach is connected to Ruach even though vegetation also, everyone is connected to all. And Yud and He and Vav and He, obviously would go in the order. So Yud is connected to Medaber, the He is connected, which is, which is Ruach, the He of Hashem's name is connected to Eish, which is Chai, and then the Vav and the last He are connected to Tzemeich and Doimim, which are Mayim and Of. The element of Eish, that's primarily connected to the element of the Chai. There's an expression in Yecheskel, Yecheskel chapter 1, we say it in the Shavuos, the Haftarah, the famous Maisim Merkava, the, the vision of Yecheskel Hanavi. The expression is Srofim Oimdim. Srofim Oimdim means the, the Srofim is a certain name of angels. Huh? The burning angels, called the Srofim. We say every morning, right? Hasrofim. There's Eifanim, there's Chayis HaKodesh, but then there's Shrafim. Shrafim Oimdim. Sheyesh, Pchines, Malachim, V'chayis HaKodesh, and Ekroim Shrafim. There's a certain state, a certain type or category of angels or holy animals who are called Shrafim. Why? Why are they called Shrafim? Mipnei Shehemi Yisoyed HaEisha Eloki. Because spiritually speaking, they are, essentially, they represent the element of fire. So they're called, they're called burnt. They ask a question, you know, can water become wet, right? Can fire burn itself? <laughs> so he says, the Shrafim, they are ash. They are ash. They're burnt up in which fire? <laughs> Themselves. They are burnt. That, that is their definition. You call them Shrafim. There were certain Sadiqim they called the Saraf, yeah, the Saraf. The Uri of Strelis, they call the Saraf. Yeah. Some people call the Kotzke Rebbe the Saraf. Sodov, the, the, the Uri of Shul, they called the Sodov, they said that every day by davening he was burnt, he was burnt up. It's like you didn't think there's going to be anything left. Every day after davening, the Baal once said that it's a, one of the greatest miracles is that he stays alive after davening. The Baal Shem Tov said. It's one of the biggest nisim that he stays alive after davening. For some people it's a ness. So it's, uh, he called him the Sodov, the Rabbi of Sid, they call him the Sodov. So he says, Shem Yisoy, they shall give it Tamidim Oimdim Behislavos. 
They're always in a state of fire. fire Slavos is love, a fire, zeal, a tremendous passion. Why? Machmas, interesting expression. Imagine, from the six days of creation, they only have one machshava. They're not disturbed by any other thought. What's this thought? Imagine you have one thought from the day you were created. Remember, Malachim don't die like we die. So it's a long time. It's been 57, 82 years. It's a long time to have one machshava. You talk about meditation. <laughs> One thought for 5,782 years. That's meditation. <laughs> and nobody distracted. What's this machshava? Shemasigim rak ziv shchinosi yizbarech ha-mechayim ha-vesim. It's the only machshava they have. One machshava they have. What's the machshava? Machshava is they comprehend one thing. They experience. They, they, they feel. They get it. That the ziv shchinosi yizbarech. The presence of the divine energy. Ziv is the ray of his presence, of the Shekhinah, of the dwelling of Hashem, that creates them and vivifies them from nothingness into somethingness. They're just completely aware of that reality. So what does that do? Once they're aware of that, day and night, their fire doesn't cease. Their fire does not find rest. They're burning up in that own fire. They're basically made up of one element. And in that sense, there's a simplicity in their life. Pashat. Pashat in this sense, not just simplicity, like a simple. Simple means here, Pashat. They're divested from the complexity of the hybrid of elements. They have Yisoid Echad Pashat. That's who they are. That is their very identity. The Ziv Hashchina, that is what it creates, and they're aware of it. And their awareness is, <laughs> their awareness is that Shechina, and they're aware of what their awareness is. They are aware of what their awareness is. Did you understand what I just said? So because they're aware of what their awareness is, so they're aware that their entity, who are they? They are, they, they experience this process, this divine presence that vivifies them, and Ve'ena Merkavim, there's no... Murkov means there's no mixture, composite of elements. Mashenkin ha'adam, a person is very different. First of all, Murkov medalad yisaitis. Person is not pashat. It's anything but pashat. We're made up, we're composite of four elements. So there's Aish, but there's also Ruach, and there's Mayim, and there's Afar, and they all have to live peacefully with each other. But as we will see, that's a complicated process. The Adam is a murkav of all the Yisaitis of the Bria, all the components of the Bria. Like we learned in the Maimah of Shabbos, in the Kutatariya Parshas, uh, Parshas Nasa, that Adam has kinship with every aspect of creation because he's rooted in the source of it all. So there's a kinship with every element. So he says, the Adam, it's not Yisait Echad Pashat. There's a lot of other elements. That's number one. Number two... Unlike the Srafim, the Adam is also manifested. He's embodied. He's embodied in a body, in a vis- physical, visceral experience, and a nefesh and a biological consciousness. It's impossible for Adam to remain in one machshava all the days of his life. 
This reality of Seraphim, that since the day it emerged into being, there's only one thought that exists in the Seraphim, and nothing else, it's impossible for a person to maintain that. Why? Not because he's lazy. Not because he's distracted. That too, that's the second thing. But first of all, the Adam has so many different factors that define his consciousness. There's Esh, but there's Ruach, there's Mayim, there's Afa. Besides that, the Seraphim is pure divine energy. That's what it is. He's conscious of what his consciousness is. The Adam comes into a gulf and an Efesh Achiyunis, so there's a whole new identity that attaches itself to the person's psyche, and now the question is how I interpret who I am and who I'm not. So there's no way I could remain in that one purest thought all the days of my life. We'll soon see the machlaikas of what the Miraglim wanted. <laughs> the Miraglim weren't such rabble-rousers. They were serious meditators. Huh? We're not like the architectural types of human beings. It exists on different levels. It exists on but different levels. Literally that we have from uh, physical right. element. Right. Something, some... Yeah, yeah. They, they each represents something. Well, there's the Chaymer Hiyuli, huh? Ah, that's true. The person has many components going on. Emes. There's no one machshava. There's no one machshava. But this doesn't mean that the person is not capable of this. On another hand, there's something in the person's divine consciousness. There is in the in the capacity of his nefesh elikus. There's a thirst. There's a yearning from the element of fire, which is like a glowing flame in its passion and its yearning and its and its rising up. The physical flame is a metaphor for that simayin, right? Like in a parched desert without water, without water. It's ash. It's pure ash. So he says there's something that's even deeper than the angels. Why? Even though we're always taught, and it would seem obvious, that down here, the person spiritually is inferior to the angels. Angels are angels. People are people. He says that's true only from a very limited perspective. Because the person down here is manifested in a lavush of a guf and nefesh achiyunis. A guf is a physical body. Nefesh achiyunis is that which animates the body. But the shayrish hanasham, if you go to the core, the source of every soul, of each person, according to his or her level, every person according to their state, you have to always understand this. The guf doesn't embody and manifest in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a visceral way the entire presence of the soul. Only a ray. And the shayrish, the roots, just like by a tree. The roots are subterranean. They're under the ground. You don't see it when you see the tree. Like the foundation of a house. It's the shayrish, it's the root, but it's always there. Here, the shayrish is not under the ground. The shayrish goes up... <laughs> You know, it goes not this way, but that way, so to speak. I mean, it goes both ways, but my point is that we're not talking about a physical, physical roots. 
But he says, the Shayrish HaNashama, it remains Lamaila. What do we mean it remains Lamaila? It remains in its source from where it was, it was honed out, from where it was honed out, in the higher conscious and from where it was taken. And if you're talking about the Neshamas in each world, where the Neshamas are molded, they are infinitely greater than all of the angels in those worlds. And don't think it's different than your soul. That is the soul that's manifested and being embodied through your body in this world. It's the same soul. What does what, what, what the Balatanya say? It's like what we learned in the previous Maimah and Bahar about the concept of Ha'ara, right? The ray of a light. The, the ray of the sun. The ray of the sun captures something of the sun. <laughs> something of its electricity, of its heat, of its power, of its warmth, of its glow. The ray of the sun has properties that all come from the sun. So when you talk about the neshama in the guf, it's like the ray of the sun. And that's what the body captures and embodies. And it's incredibly powerful. It gives life to a body. But don't think that that captures the totality of the neshama. Or to put it in, in other words, my consciousness is the part of the soul that I'm capable of experiencing right now based on the tools that I have right now and based on what my body is channeling from that spiritual energy. And that can vary from one extreme to another extreme. How you define your eye, how you see yourself. What's the story you tell about yourself? But whatever level it is, it's only a ha'ara of the neshama. The shayrish of the neshama, the core of the neshama, is far beyond that which is being channeled consciously and manifested through the body. Where is that? It's you. But it's the you that's not being embodied through the body in a visceral, physical way. Because it's beyond the keli of the body. And he says, that level much deeper than Malach. Much, much deeper. He says, ain't cats infinitely deeper than Malach. When you say a person is lower than a Malach, be careful. A person is lower than a Malach when you're talking about the way I'm experiencing myself through my body at a particular moment. When you're talking about the neshama itself, which, the per- which is the person, which is the person. You're talking about a reality that is far deeper than the Malach. Far more sensitive, far more... far rooted in a deeper space of, of truth. So in a way you could say, you know, we always say, uh, uh, the soul is in the body, right? You say, the soul is in the body. Well, Rebbe says, wrong. The soul is, in, no, no, the body is in the soul. <laughs> you see the difference? It's a shift. It's not, it's not, you have a body, and in the body somewhere, there's playing around some little kid, you know, some neshama. Let's hide him. You know, he's hiding somewhere in the closet. It's the other way around. <laughs> there's a neshama. The body is in the neshama. You know, the body is one aspect of how the neshama is expressing itself. You, you, you understand what I'm trying to say? Huh? Mm-hmm. Mm? Oh, paradigm Yeah, you don't say. Oh, it's scientifically in the same way. Huh? <laughs> because you see the aura. Yeah, the aura. It's, uh, it's right. outside. Yeah, it's outside. Of it's, outside of, it's it's much it's much beyond the person. The halo, the aura, the neshama. It's much beyond. It's not the soul in the body. The body is in the soul. <laughs> in the whole totality of the soul, there's one aspect that the body the body filters. Same relationship as Yeah. 
You speak about, for example, birth and death. What's birth and death? Right? Birth and death is basically this. It's that a certain aspect of the neshama is being channeled through these physical, through this physical reality called the body, which is the miracle of life. What was pre-birth? I mean, even pre-conception, pre-pregnancy. What's after 120 years? Does the soul die? What, what, what death is there? What death? <laughs> Something alive doesn't die. If it's alive, if it's live, if it's life, it doesn't die. If you don't kill it. Huh? If you don't kill it. So what is it? After, huh? after death? Is- unplugged. The best, the, 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 the right term for death really is unplugged. Unplugged. What happens to uh, the electricity when you unplug a refrigerator? <laughs> it dies? All the electrons die? <laughs> I'm asking you a question. You unplug your computer, you unplug the vacuum cleaner, you unplug the air conditioner. Here, we got, uh, our, our video got unplugged. What happens? All the electricity died? What happens? It just doesn't channel through that. It doesn't channel through the refrigerator. So what happens? So the food gets, uh, gets, uh, gets dried up and moldy. You understand? The plug allows the electricity to be channeled through the refrigerator, which is amazing. Amazing. When you unplug the refrigerator, the electrons didn't die. Electricity doesn't die. It's just not... You don't have the vessel. You don't have the wire. It's unplugged. So you don't have the wire to channel that energy. But the electricity is not affected. That's the whole Yisrael in Yiddishkeit of the Nitzchis of an Ashama, eternity of a soul. That is a soul, it's like an electrical switch. That's what it is. You're a scientist, aren't you? I'm, I'm giving a metaphor. I don't mean that the, the totality of a soul is electricity. Even though electricity is not the worst metaphor, because nobody has ever seen electricity. We have seen the symptoms of electricity. Nobody doubts the existence of electricity, but nobody has seen electricity. <laughs> with your eyes? <laughs> okay, so we see the manifestation of it. Like we see the manifestation of a soul. We see the manifestation of God. So the point here is, unplugged. That's what happens. After 120 years, it's unplugged. The goof right now is not a keli that is channeling the presence of the soul. But don't define the whole soul by that. And even when the goof is channeling it, it's channeling that which it could channel. So this shayrish of the neshama, he says, is much, much deeper than the malachim. It's an expression in Gemara Megillah, beautiful expression. It says Daniel and the people near him were trembling. It says, even though he didn't see, his mazel sees. It's a famous, in the beginning, Megillah daf Gimel, daf Dalad. What's Pshat? Even though he doesn't see, his mazel sees. So most people say, what's the mazel? Some mazel you have. <laughs> he says, what's, what's your mazel? You know, if you were to go about your mazel, bad mazel, good mazel. <laughs> He says, what's mazel? What does it mean, mazle chazi? Your mazel says, pirush, mazle miloshni yozil mayim. The word mazle comes from the word, a flow of water, like nozel in Hebrew, is when something flows, when something trickles, right? When something is channeled. 
V'hainu sheirish nishmosei l'mayla shememenu noizel v'nimsha charasei l'mata. Your mazel is the source from which your consciousness trickles down through your body. That's channeled through the refrigerator. Mazel means your presence of the neshama pre the trickling down. So I may not see it, but my mazel sees everything. <laughs> You'll say, you, you see everything. Iu, <laughs> in other words, that water, of, that, that little trickle of water that your body contains doesn't see it. I'm sorry, I don't see anything. But your mazel, which is you, it's the same thing. It's just the source from where it's noisel. Mazel is the mazal from where it's noisel. Again, noisel is like the flow, like when you have a pipe, a tsinor that channels the water. Your mazel sees. A hundred years after this became a whole story of psychoanalysis that people, most of their behaviors are based on their subconscious, not based on their conscious. You know, there's so many things I do, I don't even know why I'm doing it. Right? But here we're learning the nishayrish of it. The nishayrish of it is that the source of the neshama is completely transcendent, far beyond what the guf is channeling in a conscious way. And that's iyu, it, it's the person himself. It's not a different neshama. It's not like your neshama goes through a surgery and 10% of it goes into the body. It's the same neshama. The question is, what the guf is channeling in a conscious way based on its caleb. What, what does my eye, what can my eye see? The vision of a soul is from one end of the world to the other end of the world. What can a soul understand? In my body, the soul could see through my eyes. The soul could speak through my mouth. The soul can understand things through my brain. That's why before and after, the soul is aware of much more. It's just in the body, it's also aware of much more. But what the body experiences, I could see a half a mile. I could see 20 feet. I could see 100 feet. I could see a mile, whatever. Where we started, yeah. So the muscle, the muscle that the former statement, is I think that the Mormon speaks about and this relationship where one guy can't back out because the mazel somehow combining and so so it's not is it a trickle through me or is it a trickle that i participate in with everyone somehow on a deeper level you're right <laughs> on a deeper level there's where the souls are one yeah that's different layers ms even a deeper level of mazel that's a level of the show where yeah it, it yeah flows. yeah so that's the word Afalgav the Iulay Khazli Mazli Khazi. Mazli is your own, your own shaydish. It's your it's your own shay. There's something you know even though you don't know them. You know them. You feel them even though you don't feel them. <laughs> Say my mazel feels. Who's my my mazel is me? It's just the me <laughs> that it's not easy to come to terms with. Because my vessel is a limited channel. And every change in life, every change a person goes through in life is when there's a little extra trickle from the mazel. I have, what? <laughs> um, much of the challenge of growth is, what is growth? What does real growth mean? Growth means there's a little bit of a stronger trickle from the mazel into your consciousness. And that's painful. You know why? Because, oh, this is not me. This is not me. No, no, let's understand this. It's, it's not so deep. I mean, it's deep, but it's, uh, it's, it's very relatable. There comes... Alpik said this, it's not pshat, that uh, we learned this in the Maimur of Reb Hillel in the summer once. It's not pshat that uh, something gets broken in a person's life, and now they have to fix it. It's much deeper than that. It's the other way around. I'm open to a new awareness. 
And because I'm open to a new awareness, so therefore something old has to break in order to be able to be a channel for this new awareness. The Lauter always has an expression, every Yerida is Tzarech Aliyah. What does that mean? Every descent is for the sake of an ascent. It doesn't mean there's some purpose in it. No, it means L'Chathchila. Kaddish Baruch Hu Refua Lamaka. The Pshat is, not good things could come out of it. No, much deeper than that. The reason something breaks is because I'm experiencing already a new vision. But the only way my system could make place for the new vision is when the system says the old vision is not going to work. <laughs> it's broken. <laughs> you need a new car. <laughs> you need a new paradigm. You need a new machine. You, you need to change the machine. In other words, the neshama sent down a little of a bigger trickle. There's a, the, the, from the mazel to iu, there was a more intense flow. So that confuses the whole system. Confuses the whole system. The old system gets confused, it breaks. Ah, so now it's ready. You know, when you break down the wall, you can expand the house. If my kitchen is a small kitchen, I want to make a big kitchen, I have to break down the walls. That's not geschmack. You have to break down the wall. But if I don't break down the walls, I'm going to remain in a small confinement. So what happens first? You break down the walls or you have plans for a new kitchen? What should happen first? You have plans, and then you break down the walls, right? You don't break down the walls to break down walls. You break down the walls. What's renovation? You demolish because you want to renovate, because you want to build. So the renovation is not destruction. The demol- the, you're not demolishing your house. You're trying to restructure. You're trying to renovate. Spiritually, it's the same thing. When the neshama is trying to renovate and expand, it has a vision. So it breaks down the old walls. But if you're not in touch with the mazel, all you see is my walls are gone. Oy, oy, oy. It's really, the house is expanding. The house is well, you got to break down the walls. You'll put up new ones. Hopefully, there'll be different types of walls. But, uh, but that's the vart. Huh? An example? Yeah, sure. A person lives a life, yeah? Everything is flowing, kivayachal, well. And then something happens in their life, and it shakes, it shakes them up. Maybe something in their marriage, maybe something with their children, maybe something with themselves, maybe something financially, maybe something physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it is. It shakes them up. And suddenly they're broken, or they're lost, or they're confused, or they're overwhelmed, or they're depressed, or they're looking for guidance, or they're empty, or they're thirsty, whatever, however it expresses itself in a person's life. So one way of looking at it is, oh, there's a crisis. What do I do with the crisis? Which is a good question. But really, it's much deeper than that. What created the crisis was the new oil, the new light. The walls of my house, the guy, the tra- somebody comes and says, oh, there's tractors by your house. They destroyed your whole house. I said, no, 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 I hired them. I'm paying them. <laughs> really, what are you paying them? To destroy your beautiful mansion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why? Because I want to, <laughs> I want, uh, I want a 10,000 square foot house. I don't want uh, 1,000 square foot. In order to get 10,000 square feet, the walls have to go somewhere. They have to destroy. They're destroying your house. They're not destroying my house. They're demolishing in order to put it up in a new place. You understand? But if I don't know that, all I see is destruction. So whenever the, a deeper level of mazle is flowing down, what does it create on the ground? <laughs> what does it create on the ground? <laughs> chaos. Absolute chaos. 
everything was going. This was my highway. This is I had my comfort zone. I had my hagbalas. Right? It's like an exercise, you know, stretching, right? When you stretch and you're not used to stretching, what happens? If you lift weights that are uh, pretty heavy, you're, you're, uh, you're, uh, you're Charlie Horse, but also your tissue gets torn. And when your tissue gets torn, it rebuilds in a way that it can deal with that new weight. So your muscles get stronger. But biologically, that's how it works. So what, what's happening essentially is, from an Ashama level, there was a deeper flow of consciousness. Because there's a deeper flow, so now the eye has to get ready for this new, new set, so for this new reality. So what do I do? I get rid of the old. So the old stops working. Why does it stop working? To open you up to a new vision, to a new awareness. So it's a whole different perspective. But for this, you have to see it from the perspective of Mazle. Huh? Doesn't mean it's not hard. When, 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 they, when they demolish your house, you don't have where to live. <laughs> you have to look for basements. <laughs> right? It's not easy because you feel so, uh, you feel very vulnerable. So emotionally also, like, what am I going to hold on to? But that, that's, it's a very profound idea. It's all about connecting to Hashem. Lose it. Of course. Cry out to Hashem. It's the the point is that you're, you're not detached. You weren't thrown away. You weren't you weren't thrown under the bus. Feels like huh? It. Feels like it. No, I know it feels like it. Yeah, of course it feels like it. It feels like it because it's painful. It's painful. If those walls protected me for many years, it's painful. <laughs> it's painful, but doesn't mean it's not good. Then it's worth it. It's not just worth it. It's, it's, it's connecting to, to truth. It's connecting to your deeper reality. I could be in denial. That's true. Whenever a person goes to habits that are destructive, it's because they're running away from this. Always. It's too much. Leave me alone. Just get me out of this place. So I'll get drunk, I'll start eating, I'll go here, I'll go there. Just get me out of this place, it's too much. Why? Because I'm not ready to open myself up to my own mazel. You have to open yourself up. Your own mazel is much deeper than malachim. Much deeper than the angels. The only thing is that the I, the, the shirafim don't have this challenge because they have one machshava their whole life. <laughs> and that's never challenged. It's one thought that flows through them, and that's who they are. They are their thought. And that's it. A person is not that way. That's what he's saying. Oh, very good. Very good. The Gemara says, Ein mazal Yisrael. So the Altarebbe teaches, Ayin mazal Yisrael. Ayin mazal Yisrael, yeah. Which is really the literal pshat. Now the regular mazalos, you understand? Ayin mazal Yisrael. The ayin is the mazal of Yisrael. Mazal is there. It's ayin. It's a different type of mazal. Which is the literal meaning of ain mazal Yisrael. You're not defined by this mazal, that mazal. But the ayin, which is ain't saif. Like we learned in the previous moment, what ayin is. I just want to learn mamish another few lines. We'll go like three minutes. 
just to finish the Indian. And this is because the Medrash says in the beginning of Bereshus, Yisrael Aluba Machshava. Yisrael ascended Hashem's thought. Pirush. It's like by a person. We also learned this in the previous Maimah. You can't compare one's thoughts to one's words. A thought is connected, is united with a person's soul far more than his words because words become separate from you. They leave you. My words just left my mouth and you could do with my words whatever you want. Sometimes people misunderstand me. They can even misconstrue me, misconstrue the words intentionally or unintentionally. Not only that, you can also you could shut, put a muzzle on your mouth and be quiet. Thought, both things. It never leaves me. No thought ever leaves me. Number one and number two, a person doesn't stop thinking. Shmachshav is always there. The soul is filled with Isis internally. The soul is filled with Isis with Machshava. There's always Isis in the soul. The soul is always articulating itself through Isis. That's the marshal Yisrael all over Machshava. We call Yisrael Machshava. Why? Which is basically the source. That includes all Neshamas Yisrael, where they're all one. Olu b'machshava ilah. They ascend in Hashem's thought. And therefore connected with His essence. Just like these two things we said about thought. It never leaves you. And it never ceases. So it's a marshal. If you want to understand Neshamas Yisrael, Hashem's thoughts. What do you mean Hashem's thoughts? Always one, always connected. Never leaves, never detaches, never becomes separate. The whole world is called the Dibur of Hashem. Because it could become, at least from our perspective, externalized and concretized as something outside. The soul could never ever be separate. There's no such a Metzius. It's like Machshava. It never leaves you, never becomes separate. And it's always in me, it's part of me. It's, 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 it's like the divine processing himself. The Neshama's experience of reality is a divine experience of reality. So Neshama is a thought of Hashem? Yeah. A Neshama is a thought of Hashem. Now think about that. Think about that. <laughs> yeah. A Neshama is a thought of Hashem. That's what it is. We don't, like we see, I have a Neshama. No, 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 no. You don't have a Neshama. <laughs> huh? That was a thought of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not you have a Neshama. <laughs> Neshama has you. It's very, that's what I was, it's not you have a neshama, like you have a thought of God. No, 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 you don't have a thought of God. It's like you have God. No, no, God has you. Huh? Yeah. Your goof is the thought experiencing it. The definition of I is divine thought. It's a thought of Hashem. It's a consciousness of Hashem. Now, if a person really internalizes that, it changes everything. You're never as small as you thought you were, <laughs> or insecure. All insecurity, and of course trauma, is, is shutting down this awareness. I can't, I can't get in touch with this. Yeah, it is. It's very big to carry. It's extremely big. And because it's so big, it's mazle. It's called mazle. <laughs> 
and when I get in touch with it, the more I get in touch with it, the more systems it it, it shatters, it shakes up. You. He says the neshama is a thought of Hashem. That's what it is. And a thought never leaves the source. My words can leave. My thoughts never leave. And the thought is always there. You always have thought. It's not like, okay, we're shutting down thoughts. For a week, God says, I don't know you. No, no. It's always, you're always, there's always a flow. In other words, if Hashem is here, the neshama is here. <laughs> I don't know, programmed. Hagam dixiv kiloi machshavayse machshavayseche. I, it says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. <laughs> so, what are we giving this whole marshal very nice? It says, loi machshavayse machshavayseche. According to this, no, my thoughts are your thoughts. Every one of your thoughts is my thoughts. Mikalma kaim emes. Hare efes katseyu veshemetz mineyu tika chazneinu lahavin maat mizeir al derechmosh. True. But a little bit of it, our eyes, our ears can use to understand a little bit of what a neshama is. So we're using this metaphor. Even though I'm going to use my machshava to describe his machshava. On a deeper level, what he's saying here is, it's a part from the Baal Shem Tov. It says, Yazov Rasha Darkai V'ish Oven Machshavaisav V'yashav Al-Hashem V'rachamei V'alalkeinu K'arbal Aslayach K'iloi Machshavaisav Machshavaisavichim V'loi Darcheichim Darachah So there's a beautiful, uh, amazing word from the Baal Shem Tov. Yazov Rasha Darkai the Russia should abandon his derech. And a person of oven, of iniquity, should abandon his machshavas. Why? Because what does he think? He thinks, He thinks that his thoughts are not my thoughts. His challenge is, he thinks that his thoughts are not God's thoughts. Which is, of course, a deeper element here. It's a, it's a tremendous, vulnerable place of trust. To think that everything channels through me is actually is it's extremely vulnerable. It's, it's it's like, oh, I could bring him into a very wrong place per se, right? How do we explain when a person that chooses to go? Yeah, but it's like you have to have full trust to make sure that that's why he trusts you. Now, when a person is unaware of this, right, his thoughts could take him to places that may be very low. Because the person doesn't realize this. What if it's, God? it's God's thoughts that uh, the person... <laughs> it's a good question. The answer to that is, it's God's thoughts. Yeah. Right, so... Yeah, that's... that's. A thought can put you low, but that's from that low, you can actually uh, make sure to the highest place possible. Right. So that's what you were explaining by... Shvuas with David and Basheva from the lowest place you can also do tshuva to the highest place. And usually the reason the person's thoughts can go so low because that person is unaware or or is numb numb to it. Yeah. Right. You could you could you could change the machshava with a different type of machshava. Yeah. Well, the neshama is Hashem's machshava. That's what he's saying. But that's the neshama. The way the neshama comes into the body. That's what he's going to say. The next piece, yeah. There's no low and no high. But the way the person consciously experiences it, on one level, I mean, on one level. Because otherwise, how could it happen? He's going to say this. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. He's going to continue. Okay, we'll take up chapter. Ah. So, what does it mean to have control? To have control really means to tune in to this truth. 
to, what does it mean to have control over my thoughts? It really means to allow myself to let go and experiencing, experience myself as a divine thought. That's what it means to have control. Control is always letting go of control. That's what control means. Control never means control. That's not control. That's manipulation. That's desperation. I'm going to control. Real control, real self-control means letting go of control. That's what real control means. A lot of people don't realize that. That's the way you really control. In a good way. You allow the truth to control. You don't have to control. Why control? You're going to play with me? You're going to, you're going to manipulate me? You're going to scare me? Huh? When I let go of control, it's a much deeper control. It's a relationship. It's, it's real. It's Hashem's thought. It's, I, I allow myself to be, I allow my body to be a conduit for Hashem's thought. The neshama is Hashem's thought. That's what a neshama is. And Hashem experiences through me. What are you thinking? I, I shouldn't ask what you're thinking. I should ask what Hashem is thinking. So, so, so this is really the exercise. You say, what am I thinking? It's not a question. What does Hashem think? That's what you want to know. No, no, no. What am I thinking? No, no, no. Don't get distracted. <laughs> and it's a, very, it's a very powerful idea because it always opens you up to, to a whole new dimension of reality. You understand? You're not stuck in a smaller awareness. Is the awareness. No, my thoughts are not your thoughts. <laughs> get out. And that's also true. You have to know like Machshavai, like he says. On another level, of course, Machshavai say Machshavai You are my Machshava. Not only your Machshava, you are my Machshava. That's the Neshama. Neshama is Alu Machshava. They are the Machshava, and that's never separate. Machshava is never separate. It's not like Dibur. And Machshava is always the Nefesh is Malaya Isis. Hashem is filled with souls, so to speak. Thought of another macho except electricity, pregnancy. Pregnancy. You're in. You're in. You're in Hashem. And then, okay, pregnancy. And then the plug comes out, and you, death is not. I hear. Is birth. You're saying birth is exhaling, and death is inhaling. <laughs> That's what you're saying. Vayipach ba'ap of nishmas chayim is birth. God exhales, and after 120, He inhales. <laughs> Okay, which is you could do that. Which is opposite to me. will continue tomorrow, seven forty-five. So the haftayda for Natayna Sibur, dear Shem Hashem be motzek, Rabbi Yosekarev, Yazev Rasha Darkei, veIsh Aven Machshavosov, veYashav al Hashem veRachameyu, veAlkenik Yarbe Mislaya. Is nachtem zokte kiloy Machshavosim Machshavosech. So the Pashtus maintains kiloy Machshavosim Machshavosech. But this is Emes. So the Atif for the Thus is the Russia dark koi vish over machshavoy sov that he thinks he's detached. That's that's the ish over machshavoy sov. He loy machshavoy sov machshavoy sov. Obviously, it's a remez and it's the touch the touch.
That kufa that he thinks, why machshavoy sa machshavoy seicha? That that is the ish of it. Does this there? So machshavoy seicha doesn't realize that the ganze ich is the eibushtas machshav. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.